Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Case Baggerman. How are you doing today, Case? Hey, Jarian. Um, I'm doing fine, thank you. How about yourself, man? Doing, doing well. It's uh, getting winter here, getting cold. Um, you know, just got done with Halloween here last night, so there's candy in the house and I'm trying to be good. Still wearing your mask? <laughs> yeah, it could be. You know, the mask is always on. <laughs> 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 All right, to uh, to our guest today, Jarian, who do we have? We have uh, Ruben Sprite. I hope I'm glad. I hope I said that right. Yeah, you're totally uh, fine with that, said Jarian. <laughs> oh, you just butchered his name. <laughs> I tried to butcher names because mine gets butchered on a daily basis, so I try to be <laughs> respectful of same people's names. And I probably should have asked you before I said it. But uh, welcome, um, Ruben, to the podcast. Where today we're going to talk about. Um, um, frame and, and some of uh, Ruben's background as well. So how are things going today, Ruben? Good. Yeah, it was a busy day, but it's a fun day as well. So uh, yeah, very good day. It's it's autumn here in uh, in the Netherlands. Case uh, can uh, can confirm. It's um, it's on my side right now, raining and snowing, uh, raining and, and windy on my end. And uh, yeah, that's probably uh, that's it about that's it for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same here. Um, um, basically, I think uh, Ruben, uh, you're like. 20 minutes away from where I live. So yep. it's, uh, yeah, it's we just, could, we, we could just sit together and have this podcast, uh, <laughs> side by side. Indeed. <laughs> we should do that next time. Uh, have a, have a drink together. It's easy. <laughs> yeah. The last podcast we recorded, um, I, I actually happened to be at, at, at Jurian's place. So, uh, uh, we did that together. So that was good fun. Yeah. It's much easier. We, we turn on web, the, uh, the webcam for now. It's much easier to uh, to talk, although it's a podcast. Uh, you don't see us talking on a webcam, but it's it's much much more convenient uh, having like, see each other face to face. Overall, like in general. So you've yeah. kind of uh, you've uh, you moved on to a new company here. So why don't you kind of tell us about uh, your new company, your position, you know, some of the founders and, and so forth about where you're at today. Oh yeah, sure, sure. That's a that's a good introduction indeed. Um, so I joined Frame a couple of months ago. Um, official title is uh, called Field CTO, Field Chief Technology Officer. I'm part of the uh, leadership executive team within Frame. We're a smaller company um, right now, around 90 people, 90 people, in five different um, locations: three in the US and two in uh, in Europe. Um, Frame started five years ago. Uh, Nicola is the CEO and founder. Um, he started a frame in 2012, uh, based out of San Mateo, just uh, a little bit south of uh, San Francisco. And he had a brilliant idea to well, make it easy to deliver applications as a service to well everyone interested. And um, frame frame started as like a platform as a service where ISVs could use the platform and deliver applications, Windows applications. We call it Windows legacy applications in the realm of uh, of mobile and web, but to deliver applications, Windows applications to uh, to any browser, so any device. So the tagline is any application on any device using just using a browser, and that's that's really it. A lot of people uh, use Frame in that uh, in that space. Just uh, start apps or even start desktops if uh, it is really needed. But the majority of customers are using like you could call it uh, application publishing or application remoting. Frame is the platform to deliver to deliver that. So I joined three months ago, four months ago, right now. Um, active in the EUC space for a long time. Um, I I lost counting, but it could be. Uh, I started with WinFrame in the Citrix uh, early uh, days uh, as a technology guy. I'm still a technology guy. If I uh, turn on my webcam and uh, and and you see my uh, my home lab. Uh, for many mid-sized organizations, it's uh, it's probably their data center. So I'm still and really like technology. I'm a technologist at uh, at heart, and um, I really like to be part of the uh, tech industry and a front runner in the uh, in the tech industry. Sometimes people ask, "Hey, what is field CTO actually?" Um, well, I can explain what my role is. Um, um, my role is more like external focused, so customers and and partners and. Uh, like ecosystem, um, presenting, um, showcasing, but also listening to the challenges customers have and partners have, 
and bring these challenges back to like our product group uh, if there's something we don't have and we can't solve yet or explain how our solution works and help customers in well solving these challenges especially in the cloud first and mobile first world a lot of a lot of customers and I'm pretty sure you both see that as well that a lot of customers are very interested in public cloud or already using public cloud in many uh, scenarios or uh, thinking about uh, moving certain workloads or all workloads to uh, to public cloud and that's uh, that's where frame perfectly fits it is born in cloud five years ago nicola started frame with the uh, with a vision okay let's start with public cloud uh, amazon aws in the in the earlier days with gpu instances and use that platform to deliver the applications to any browser. And fast forward uh, today, we support both uh, Amazon and Azure, both GPU and non-GPU instances, all the regions the uh, like Amazon and Azure provides, but also the different, uh, you can call it like sort of verticals. So uh, and, uh, like Azure and Amazon both have their like GovCloud or government um, vertical specifically targeted for government uh, organizations. Um, AWS, Amazon also has a, an, an, a cloud called C2S, specifically targeted for the uh, like intelligence community. And we support these five like vertical clouds, the public cloud, the gov cloud, and the security cloud in the regions uh, associated with that. So it's multi-cloud platform to deliver uh, any app to, uh, to any browser. Hey, Ruben? Um, yep. you're, you're talking. We're, we're mentioning a lot of clouds, um, but one of them is is kind of missing. Which, or maybe two. Um, obviously, private cloud is it might be one of them. Yep. Um, and 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 as a, an extension to that, what about hybrid clouds? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, a fair point and a good point as well. So while Frame started in public cloud uh, as a starting point, as I mentioned. Um, indeed, many customers today are using like on-premises, like private clouds, fully automated or like semi-automated. Uh, today, uh, so November 2017, uh, we officially don't support uh, like on-premises uh, infrastructures, like running uh, frame instances on-premises. Of course, we can connect with on-premises uh, infrastructures because many uh, users will use frame apps or applications running in frame and want to integrate these apps with like on-prem scenarios or other Azure or AWS instances, that type of integration is, is key. Otherwise, it's just a standalone app, which is fine for many apps, but there are may also many apps where integration is crucial, and that's where Frame kicks in as well. But today, we don't uh, have a solution to uh, run these like VM instances, like VDI, server-based computing, like that, that realm in the on-premises space. That's today. I, I well, I'm pretty sure that will uh, that will change. Uh, we'll extend that uh, with uh, with uh, with on-prem, but it's more like what's the right timing to do that. Finding the right use cases and timing is the uh, is the approach. We're pretty like still a smaller company, but really focused. So we uh, we need to be focused and doing the right things and do these things really well. And that's what uh, what we do right now. But yeah, I can imagine that. Um, as an example, like Azure Stack as an example. Today, Azure Stack is, um, well, is young, uh, is new. Um, there are like limits, no GPU support as an example in Azure Stack, a certain uh, starting point. Um, and uh, it's new, which means not so much adoption yet. And all these things combined uh, in the frame context means, okay, we, uh, we're not supporting Azure Stack yet. But with yet, there's always like an, a comma, right? So there is something. Uh, yeah, it's always interesting to see what is happening on the on the horizon. But um, yeah, it's a good point. Um, On-prem uh, versus public cloud. A lot of questions around. Hey, why public cloud? Uh, flexibility, uh, security, um, elasticity. Uh, sometimes use seasonality as well, especially like for instance in uh, like education. Uh, during summertime and during Christmas, nothing happens. Uh, it's really tough to predict the, the peaks. And if it's really tough to predict the peaks uh, of application usage, it's, you, you never do it right, right, in the on-prem space. You buy too much, which sometimes is also a good thing, depending on, on your view. But uh, for the customer side, it's, if you buy too much, that's not a good thing. If you buy too little, it's not a good thing either. So finding that balance is really tough in an 
very like spiky uh, workload, and that's that's one of one of the reasons why where uh, public cloud shines a lot. That's an interesting uh, interesting bridge to one of the questions that uh, Jaren and I prepared for you, and that was you know what are typical frame customer types. And um, you already mentioned the, the, the GovCloud and, and seasonal workers. What do you see in terms of, um, you know, the, the population of, of frame customers? Yeah, that's a good one. Let me think about it. Um, so frame started five years ago with, uh, with a bang, where a lot of ISVs uh, saw the opportunity and still using the opportunity to use frame as a platform. And... Uh, vendors like like Adobe and Autodesk and and, uh, and Esri and SolidWorks and Siemens and like these these type of uh, of ISVs, they they use Frame um, for to deliver their apps to their users. Sometimes like a full production version of an app, sometimes like a beta version of an app as well, or a set of applications as well to their like beta group of customers. Uh, like Autodesk is doing that as an example. So they use Frame as a platform, more like a platform as a service. That's, that is really the starting point of Frame when Frame started five years ago. Um, over time, um, more enterprises or, or businesses, depending on the definition of enterprises, but enterprises and businesses, they, uh, they see and they saw the benefit of running these kind of applications uh, like out of public cloud. Uh, some of these customers are in the e, uh, AEC space, so the architecture, engineering, construction uh, space. So building, designing bridges, building bridges, maintaining bridges, these kind of things, or airports. They use like an, a set of high-end applications like AutoCAD and Revit and Trimble and these type of apps. And for them, the question is, okay, how can I deliver these apps to my users? And that's where the enterprise business type of customers uh, kick in as, uh, as well. So ISVs on one end, uh, businesses and enterprises on the other end, uh, education, you can see that. Well, that, that's business as well. That's also a uh, very interesting audience. Um, and governments, and U.S. governments in particular, is a very uh, interesting and an audience very interested in, uh, in frame. Um, there are a couple of reasons for that, uh, that particular uh, th uh, thing, and that's like a segue into the like the investors of Frame. Um, in April or May, I think it was April, we closed a an, um, an Series A uh, financing route, so A from like Andrew uh, uh, financing route. And Microsoft, Microsoft Ventures, is one of the three investors in, uh, in, in Frame. Very important investor in Frame. And the second important one is called InQtel. And InQtel is the... Uh, you can see like the investment arm for the uh, well, U.S. government uh, intelligence agencies. So these two not only bring money on the table, but also gives a lot of insights how the organization is structured, uh, access to uh, leadership, uh, all kinds of uh, programs, these kind of things. So it's very valuable to well, to have both of them uh, as uh, a strategic investor in in frame. So you uh, you kind of start mentioning some some vendors. I've heard of Microsoft as a big investor. Um, I heard uh, Adobe um, taking advantage of your infrastructure. So, what other vendors and partners does this frame integrate with? Um, and, and kind of let's talk about some of those partnerships. I know you have one with VMware as well. So let's yep. talk about that. Yep, exactly. So VMware is not an investor in Frame, while Microsoft uh, is. Uh, Adobe and Autodesk and Ansys and Bentley and Siemens and SolidWorks are not investors. They are like the consumers of uh, Frame. And so is VMware as well. So we provide, uh, you can say like a sort of engine for a solution which is called VMware Horizon 1 App Express. And Horizon 1 App Express is in tech preview uh, right now. Um, Focus right now is Horizon One uh, customers in North America, and you can expect uh, like the first half of 2018 to expand that uh, to uh, Europe as well. Uh, things are doing really well, so I'm not sure if it's officially announced, but right now I think with the recording it, it is. Um, Horizon One App Express will also be extended to uh, to Europe in the first half of uh, 2018. And it gives uh, VMware the opportunity to um, well, to attack new use cases because you could ask, hey, in the toolbox of solutions VMware already has, and we we all three know what VMware has in in that toolbox. Why add Frame 
as a core engine for uh, App Express? Why add Frame to the toolbox? And the answer is actually pretty simple. Um, the challenge is that a vendor explains like our solution is really simple. That everything, everyone will say, yeah, for sure, every vendor says that. But if you really spend time with with Frame, and I'm happy to spend time with uh, well with the listeners and um, well have a one-on-one -on -one or maybe set up a call, you see that Frame like onboarding an application and publishing an application to production is like really really simple. And that's what VMware picked up. It's really simple, like really really simple. Um, it's utility-based uh, pricing. It's really elasticity, leveraging uh, like the hybrid scalers uh, like uh, Amazon and, and Azure, and that's that's the reason why VMware is using Frame uh, within Horizon One App Express because that gives a ton of new use cases besides of the awesome use cases they already can address with the uh, with the uh, with the solutions they uh, they have. So VMware is an important partner for uh, for Frame. And also the other way around, it's in, important to, uh, as well, also for uh, for VMware. So that's an, I think, an obvious one because that was ad announced at uh, at VMworld um, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, something uh, like that. Um, what I see happening in like in our space, in the uh, in the frame uh, space, you could see um, a couple of things. And before I address that particular one, I think it's important to highlight that frame is not. But to highlight what Frame is, actually, Frame is really a platform uh, with our own remoting protocol, with like our own protocols, uh, authorization, authentication mechanisms. We integrate with Azure AD and SAML OAuth-based uh, platforms. Um, it's like metering and analytics is part of the uh, of the stack. Uh, profiles and persona, storage integration, um, like capacity management. Um, IaaS abstraction, like a ton of things you need to operate as a platform to run, well, Windows apps as a service for customers, like in the ISV space or in the like uh, business enterprise uh, space. Um, in in so Frame is really a, a, like a total platform, and in that platform there's always well there's always room for also ecosystem partners. And what I what I see happening is uh, partners in the in the space of user environment management or like user containerization uh, solutions, uh, like Ivanti, like FSLogix, like VMware, like these type of solutions, uh, is where uh, where Frame uh, will will make connections. Um, we today we have a profile persona management solution, but there's also uh, and it works well, uh, especially in the ISV space. But entering more the enterprise space. Um, I see also strong connections to uh, well, to solutions like like FSLogix as an uh, as an example. So that's that's one area. Um, an, an area of connection could be more in the uh, super high security space, uh, for instance, with uh, with Bromium uh, as an example. Um, what what if Bromium is part of the engine in a data center, like in a nested uh, scenario? That's one of the requirements Bromium require needs. What if Roamium is running on the endpoint, protecting the browser because we just need a browser? But what if they can protect the browser as well? These type of scenarios are also uh, interesting to see. Um, what else? On the AppWord that's, side, sorry, sorry. That's, that's the benefit of having an experienced field CTO doing <laughs> integration pieces, right? If you if you know the landscape, it's easy to uh, to yeah, right. easier to uh, to glue parts together and. and yeah. You can, um, you, can, you, can do, you can do them you, you can do the math indeed uh, on, on the advert side um, like numasense and cloudhouse and turbo these type of solutions also fit really well um, um, there's nothing like to announce uh, yet on that angle but um, there are all kinds of uh, conversations happening on on that side so yeah these are the things I see um, Nvidia is an important uh, partner as well um, of course we leverage like uh, the uh, NV series on Azure or the G2 and G3 uh, instances on, on AWS. These are all powered by NVIDIA. But we also use like NV Inc, uh, which is like their encoding engine uh, in the GPU boards for our own remoting protocol. We we started with that um, from day one, actually, when Citrix and, and VMware and others didn't use H.264 and NV Inc at all. Uh, so we use NV Inc and A264 uh, based uh, like protocol slash encoding on uh, on the frame uh, frame end. So yeah, Nvidia is also an important one. Besides like Amazon and, and Azure, ob uh, obvious, but yeah, that, uh, that makes so sense. So 
from from that perspective, and we all know you for uh, for the great work you've been doing for the community, based on uh, on all kinds of topics. But GPU is uh, is a more recent one. Yeah. Um, so from a from a graphics perspective, you already mentioned that you're using graphic graphical um, capabilities of all cloud instances you have. Um, do you see any differences in terms of the, the the performance or the approach that these cloud providers take and how do you solve that into your own platform trying to leverage those capabilities to you know have a, a, a predictable experience for your end users yeah that's a good one so let's see how I can address that one so today frame supports both GPU and non GPU instances in the earlier days of frame it was GPU only um, but today we can use uh, CPU instances as well so the Azure D series or uh, the B series, which is just uh, like announced uh, as a tech preview on the AWS side is like the G, G2 and G3 uh, instances are the GPU instances and the T series are like the, the CPU instances. We support all, uh, but that being said, like a G2 uh, on the AWS side is an Kepler based GPU. Uh, the G3 is, an, uh, is a Maxwell based GPU as is uh, Azure NV6 is a Maxwell based uh, GPU as, uh, as well. So if it's an M60 on G3 and an M60 on the uh, like um, uh, NV6, it's like for us, it's like it's it's equal. On the uh, Amazon side today, they have other options as well, which is in some scenarios beneficial for customers. So they have Elastic GPU, eGPU, um, which works really well when the application is OpenGL based and certain versions of of OpenGL as well. And that means that you can have a sort of, I wouldn't say a slice of GPU because it's not VGU, vGPU as we know vGPU today, like NVIDIA vGPU. It's the, the GPU itself is, is not inside the actual VM. It's just a portion to an like sort of external GPU and, a, and an, um, I wouldn't say a slice, but like a portion of a GPU uh, rendering uh, OpenGL calls on a different like instance and then report back what the, uh, what, what it is. That's like an eGPU. Um, also, some small steps of AMD entering the the Amazon space, the Amazon cloud is happening. Although, what I understand, it's still very small uh, and it's not open for the ecosystem, which is actually a little bit strange from an Amazon perspective. They're, they are so big and so powerful because they have an ecosystem and a part and play in many, many, many scenarios, like in, in, in all scenarios. And right now, they have certain instances with, uh, with, with AMD only for, for their own, like, uh, solution and that's not uh, not typical uh, Amazon. So we'll see how that evolves. But Amazon has eGPU um, is using mostly like NVIDIA GPUs for the end user computing side. A very 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 small uh, portion is is AMD. But uh, yeah, that's 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 like a tiny tiny uh, tiny portion. And Microsoft on the other end is uh, is leveraging with the uh, NV series uh, NVIDIA. Uh, I expect uh, I'm not. There's no no announcements on dates uh, uh, yet on the Microsoft side, but I expect more options on on both ends. Uh, I I, w I would love to have vGPU type options as well from a Microsoft or NVIDIA perspe perspective because well not everyone needs a, like a bvm 60 GPU. It's great. It's really high performance and works really well. But what if I have just like simple Photoshop and want to have certain actions or maybe use SolidWorks as a viewer and have certain GPU actions. I don't want to consume the whole M60 GPU, well, and, and the cost associated with uh, with that. So cost versus performance. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's what I see. It's, it, I, I, I expect um, that's not frame related, but if I put my like community head on, which is actually like almost on, <laughs> uh, I expect um, uh, like a talk about cloud and GPUs as well. Um, there are some things in the making from a Team RTE community event perspective. Uh, I will not announce it here, uh, but uh, things will happen. And yeah, it would be a good topic to talk about GPUs and what's happening in that space. Uh, and extending like the on-prem GPU story like we did, like you know as well, like is extended with, uh, with public cloud story as well. And just, well, educate um, friends, peers, uh, colleagues, uh, competition, I don't mind, just educate the industry in general. That could be a uh, a good follow up one too as well uh, to talk about uh, your guys' uh, team effort there for the community thing on graphic and stuff that you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, 
Agree. So we won't ask to hear today, but something we'll follow up on in another episode. But uh, to keep things moving along, though, you mentioned that Frame does the entire infrastructure um, earlier. And so since you guys handle all that, when I want to onboard some kind of custom application, what does that process look like, that onboarding? Huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, the easiest way is to, uh, to do screen sharing, which doesn't work in the podcast. <laughs> but um, actually, like seeing is believing, but I can... I can explain the process. Um, before I explain the process... Real quick, real quick. Um, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Sure. One thing we can do, so we can attach to a blog post when we post the podcast. So if you uh, have like a whiteboard or a video or something we can share, we can also add that to there um, so they can visualize it as well. Ah, okay, that's good to know. Good to know, yeah. I'll make a note, a mental note uh, of, uh, of that right now. Um, before I explain what is uh, part of the process, it's also important to understand and explain a little bit more about like the app because sometimes an app is like a standalone application, like Photoshop as an example. But in many scenarios, the app is not standalone, but it's like a client-server app as an example. So onboarding an application itself is, uh, is really straightforward. Um, we have a concept called Sandbox, which is maybe a different name for Golden, Golden VM, Golden Image, template virtual machine, give it a name. Um, as an administrator of, uh, of an end user organization, or maybe as an administrator of a service provider, you have direct access via the uh, via frame admin interface to this sandbox. Uh, if you install the application manually or automatic, we automatically de detect the installation of the app, or in the case of Office, uh, multiple applications, and then you can select, okay, these applications or this app I want to onboard this application to frame. And if you then exit the sandbox, you see in the interface that, hey, these are my applications and these, this one app or this set of applications is being added to my sandbox. There's one button uh, um, underneath and that, that's, uh, that's, that's named publish. If, if I hit publish, this sandbox environment will, uh, will shut down and we uh, clone this sandbox environment to production instances automatically. And that's done in parallel, so not serial. So the, the full speed of storage uh, available uh, in cloud is being used to publish this sandbox to production, which can be like one, two, two, 2,000, 20,000 instances in production. And that's, that's being done. So it's really that simple to like uh, open the sandbox, make the changes you would like to do. Could be Windows updates as well, could be registry key entries, could be fonts, could be a new application installer, could be an application update, and just, well, make that happen. If the application requires, so that's the, that's, that's the publishing process. It's, it's really simple. It, it is really, really, really simple. But what if, if the application requires, uh, like, network integration or um, maybe a database, as an, as an example? There are many options as well. So... Suppose it's a client-server app with like front-end and, uh, and database as an example, right? There are like three, th just thinking of right now, there are three scenarios how I can deliver the database as part of the, of the application. There's the, the first one is what we call utility server. We can add a service, which is called utility server, to the uh, customer uh, environment, and that gives the administrator access to a Linux or Windows virtual machine. And inside that virtual machine, he can do whatever he would like to do. He can install a license server. He can install MySQL or Oracle. He can install whatever he would like because he has access to this Windows or Linux VM. And then with that, you, this utility server is able to communicate with the like production customer frame environment, and therefore the application can talk to the uh, to the database. That's one one example. The second example is where suppose the customer already has Azure or AWS subscription. And in, this in his environment, in his Azure or AWS environment, uh, already a database instance is running or database service is, uh, is being consumed. We can uh, tier, we can, we can peer these VPCs or these VNets uh, to each other. That's also, that's also an option. And the third option, if the database is running on-prem, we can set up a side-to-side -side VPN between like the frame customer instance uh, and the like on-prem customer instance and connect that from a networking perspective and use well database or printing or well whatever is on-prem uh, what, whatever is needed to connect with the uh, with the applications so we, we kind of see the the application side there so when we so usually you guys can set up uh, some kind of vm for the customer to install that back in 
client database on inside of your frame cloud, right? Yep. That was we the can... first option. Yep. Um, the second was, you know, if it's cloud hosted, you do that VNet to VNet communication. Yep. And then the third option was um, basically a site to site VPN. So yeah, or direct uh, express route or uh, express direct, route direct or, or yep. yes, yep. direct network connection. Um, quite, quite, so, quite often, these things are like, um, like our solution architects talk to the customer solution architects because uh, like subscription ID needs to exchange or like things need to be communicated with each other. Uh, utility server is really part of the solution. Um, there's no like solution architect or uh, consulting uh, needed for that. Uh, setting up a direct route or an, a VPC tiering or uh, like clients uh, side to side VPN. Uh, often it's like um, like communication and a couple of things happening on on both ends. So that's kind of from the the application onboarding side, which would be part of the the client onboarding process. But mm -hmm. once you have that piece done, what does the the rest of the the client onboarding process look like once you have the applications like that in there? Not so much. The application is launched in uh, in the launchpad or is available in our launchpad. You can call it like a sort of web interface. Um, application will be published, and you hit you hit you click the app, and it runs. Um, if the app requires uh, like certain settings, you can set these settings in the sandbox itself, or uh, use scripting language uh, right now to well to alter or to change certain uh, certain aspects of that of that app. Uh, so. It really is is that straightforward, um, yeah. And you mentioned earlier you guys handle pretty much everything on, on the backend infrastructure side. How does the, the authentication work? Can, can they bring their authentication? Can you federate? Yeah. Um, what does that that the authentication piece look like? Yeah. So in any frame like platform, um, we have our own like uh, you can call it like identity manager, which integrates, for instance, with the Horizon Identity Manager. So this our identity manager talks SAML. Uh, or OAuth, which is uh, well, which is being supported on the VMware Identity Manager side, but also like Azure AD or Ping or Okta, these type of providers uh, where this, that's where we where we integrate. So we talk the same language, language SAML or OAuth, um, Azure AD, VMware Identity Manager, Okta, Ping um, are good examples being used in in the field uh, with uh, with Frame. So we can use that platform to. Uh, well, to, uh, to authorize and authenticate uh, apps and, uh, and access to apps. That's pretty neat. That's a pretty uh, pretty nifty uh, nifty solution you got there. So um, moving from uh, from a, a little bit of uh, technology stack to a little bit more uh, personal questions. So um, Darren and I were talking about uh, you know this this podcast and the stuff that we could ask you. And and obviously you're this well-known figure in um, um in in our industry. Real, real quick, one um, second, case. By the way, remember when I said the curveball? This is Possibly. the curveball. Here's the curveball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious what it is. I'm I well we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so I, uh, I so whenever I get uh, the chance to do a podcast like this, I do a little bit of background checking. Sure. And. Uh, I, I noticed that. What, what did uh, you find? <laughs> well, nothing, nothing bad yet. Um, but in this case, I, I noticed that you've been an engineer um, at um, A3 um, Automation or um, yep. Automation, or um, and it seems that, or it looked like it's your dad. Your, it was your dad's company. Yeah, it is. So from, from working uh, as an engineer in your uh, dad's IT company to multiple CTO roles, how did that evolve? How did you, you know, move on, and how did you like? How did that happen for you? And I see you're smiling. So you're. Yeah, should, 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 should I call you Sherlock Holmes or not? I'm not sure yet. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good good question. So indeed, so after school, um, well, at school as well, my hobby uh, was IT and is IT. And I extended my hobby in uh, in like in business, starting my first uh, my first job in my dad's company. And my dad was a co-owner of uh, like an IT shop in the Novell days and the Windows 3.1 days and the WinFrame uh, WinFrame days. So the really early days where we had our own like coax cable and all the terminators and, and that kind of uh, that kind of stuff, right? So the, the really really early days of uh, of IT. Uh, I started in IT. Um, 
you can call it consulting, but consulting these days were different than consulting today, uh, obvious. But uh, doing uh, consulting, advising customers as well, but also doing like all kinds of crazy implementation things as, as well in the early days. The company uh, started with, uh, with four guys and in the, in the high season, it was, uh, I think, 14 or 15 guys. And I was one of the like, like leading, leading as a young guy, right? Uh, leading in, leading on, on the technology side uh, in that in that space. And maybe you didn't know uh, that Rob Beekmans uh, was also part of that uh, of that company. Maybe maybe you did, you, you did know. I don't know. But Rob, I, Rob, I, I, I noticed that. I saw that on uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah. So yeah. so Rob and I were colleagues in the early days, and we had uh, a lot of ton of great of great, great time as as well. And it tells then, you a lot of things about how long this how long ago this was. Exactly. Yeah, Rob had a lot, <laughs> lot of hair as well. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. I'll drink a beer. Drink a beer later. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the the interesting story is that I I saw a certain like projection. Okay, this is where I want to be, and I think the company needs to be as well. And that didn't align with the well vision of the company. And my dad was part of the vision, but not only the, the only owner of the company. So simply said, it's not so simple as I said right now, but simply said, I uh, stopped working at that company after I think five or six years or something like that. That was really a tough decision because my, my, my dad was part of that company and making a decision like, hey, I will step out as a lead of tech. I knew what that, what that means for the company. And that happens. Like the company went south uh, like after a year, a year and a half, and then yeah, that's it. So my dad started in a different IT company, uh, actually like a sort of competitor to my uh, a previous uh, company called, called PQR. So my dad worked at a competitor of, of PQR, and even my brother worked at a competitor of PQR at, uh, at Datron. So it's like an IT, IT family. My sister is not an IT uh, at all, uh, <laughs> and my mother isn't either either in IT. But uh, like the my dad and my brother are in IT, or my dad is retired right now, but he was in IT. So then I joined Indeed PQR. I started as a consultant. With all kinds of uh, projects, mostly focused on end-user computing, but also backend stuff like like SQL and Exchange and AD and networking and firewalling the whole thing, um, which is great. That background is is always handy still today. Like yesterday, we had a conversation with uh, with my colleagues about uh, DNS and profiles and these things. Then still, the background is always handy. Uh, besides of being a geek, it's always handy to have that kind of background. And then after, let's see, twelve and a half years, thirteen years, I. Uh, I left PQR, so I started as consultant, solution architect, uh, being CTO for PQR. I left PQR and, uh, and joined an, uh, an startup in Silicon Valley called Atlantis, as, uh, as we all three, uh, three know. Um, enjoyed it as well. I learned a ton of interesting things in that, uh, in that space. Um, what I really like about these things, both like about the startups, is, to, is really the this, this speed, the things, like the speed of innovation and, and, it, and the, there are things happening on all levels, on a tech level, on an like, executive level, on a customer level. Um, it's really diverse, sometimes crazy diverse. Um, but at the end, uh, I can say that as a small, the webcam is on, you can see me smiling. It's really, it's really fun to be part of, uh, of this company, of a young company, and do all kinds of things, tech, executive things, uh, sometimes sales and marketing things. I think we are all in, in sales. We have... Uh, we, 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 and not sales like slick sales, but yeah, we I, we are here to help customers, and of course we need uh, we need salary as well. But I really believe that uh, at the end it's about what is better best for the customer, and if you evangelize and help customers doing that, you will benefit from that as well. And that's called salary, and um, yeah, that's that's how I always operate. So sometimes, um, and it happens like this week and last week as well. Sometimes a customer asks, "Hey, can you do this?" And then sometimes the answer is well. It, sometimes the answer is no. We can't, or we cannot do it yet. And uh, I think, honestly, pays off. And that's always my mantra. And I always try to keep that in mind. Like, hey, be honest. If things can or cannot be done, uh, because you need to del deliver as well. And I want to take responsibility if things. Uh, well, I, I will take responsibility for that. Uh, and yeah, it also means to be uh, be honest and and open and clear in communication. So good, uh, good done. Uh, well, well done, uh, James. <laughs> <laughs> Elementary, my dear Watson. <laughs> yeah. So the, the one thing, uh, working at a startup, um, one thing that I noticed is that making an impact is so much easier. 
you know, it's it's so much easier to get stuff done or get something, you know, um, make an impact into customers, in the, into a customer world or for the company or for the product. But it's just easier to make that impact in a, yeah, in a smaller startup-like mentality. Yep, totally agree. Totally agree. And that's, well, that's why I joined uh, Frame because uh, I think right now, yeah, I, I really enjoy smaller companies. I want to say that this will be like uh, until I, like, I'm 65, uh, 65 or 70. We'll, we'll see how things uh, evolve uh, when, uh, when health uh, permits. But right now, I really enjoy it because it's very diverse. Uh, you make an impact. You see the impact. As, as a simple example, so last weekend, actually, uh, I uh, spent quite some time with Office 365 integration with Frame, which means I can use like Office 365, the interface, launch all kinds of web apps, but there's also demand for like non-web apps. Maybe 80% of the apps are web and 20% are non-web, are Windows. How do we add these Windows apps to the Office 365 app launcher? And that's what I did. So I, uh, I made that integration. I wrote about it. And like today, I had like three calls out of nowhere, like out of the blue uh, from, uh, from Microsoft people, but also from like uh, end users directly. Like, hey, how, do we, how can we do that? And that's, that, that's a very simple, like an, an uber simple example where this makes an impact. And of course, we'll see over time what the real, like, um, like what the real impact is from a like, value slash money perspective. But even, even if it's not valuable from, an, from a money perspective, the, the impact for frame is there because people read about it, people find it interesting. Some Citrix people ask, like, hey, why, why, are, why don't we have this function in, uh, in the Citrix space? So, yeah, you make an impact with something small like this uh, as an example. The other side, uh, this is like all great. The downside of, uh, I wouldn't say downside. Some, what I find sometimes tough in my role is not that that's sometimes tougher to quantify what the real impact is. Um, if you ask, I can write down, this is my job description. Uh, these are the things I do and you see what I, what I do. But really like pinpointing, okay, Ruben is doing this, this and this. And the effect is this. That is really tough, um, tough in my role. That's, that was being tough in the Atlanta space. It's always, it was being tough in the PQR days as well. So I, I can handle it. It's all about communication and managing expectations. But that's the toughest part of, uh, of, uh, of this role, actually. All right. L- let, me, let me help you with that one. And um, with, with all due respect for who you are and where I am today. But look at yourself talking about the solution you're bringing and the additional value you're, uh, you're putting into the product. Look at yourself and take that as impact. Because I've, um, like you said before, we're watching you on, the, on, the, on a webcam. And we're getting close to an hour. And I, I've seen you smiling for an hour, and that's <laughs> yeah. impact as well. Yep. Right. Not just not 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 company company impact, but if you're happy like this, if you're confident in what you're doing in the future of this company, uh, that's an impact for yourself, which is maybe equally important. Yeah. Well, that's I think that's one of the reasons why I left Atlantis because if you don't do what you love, then then you start to work right, and I don't like to work. I like to I like to do what I do, and that's why that's one of the reasons why I left Atlantis. There are other reasons as well, but this I, bottom line, this is like the key reason, and yeah, that's uh, I think that's a good thing uh, to uh, to keep that in mind. And maybe you, maybe you, maybe you've seen Dane Young's blog post about like him transitioning in like in uh, Entesis 360. Uh, he mentioned something like, "Hey, stepping out of the comfort zone." Um, I use that phrase uh, quite often, and it helps me and and others to sometimes evaluate what what is your comfort zone and when is it the right time to step out of the comfort zone. That can be business side, that can be personal side, it can be like a, a ton of different things. Uh, Ed, uh, like joining Frame is actually being uh, entering the comfort zone of end-user computing, but. That's, so that's comfort zone, but out of the comfort zone, uh, or a little bit out of the comfort zone for me is like with two feet in public cloud. So really understanding what is happening in, in public cloud, what is happening on like low level uh, Amazon or Azure perspective. That was not my comfort zone. I learned a lot in the in the past three months, and I'm convinced that I will learn a lot in the next uh, like months or, uh, or, or or quarters or years. So yeah, I think as as a takeaway for well 
for myself, but also for others, is that, hey, what is the comfort zone? Uh, sometimes it's, to, it's good to evaluate, to use like Christmas time or summer time to evaluate things. Or maybe if you're running around doing an obstacle run, that clears my mind as well. And that well, helps in thinking about, okay, what is my comfort zone or what's my next step? And um, yeah, happy to, well, I already shared uh, a couple of examples out of uh, personal examples. But if you want to have feedback or insights, what you need to do, I'm always happy to listen in. Um, I think that's a starting point. And provide my feedback. So if you are not sure about your comfort zone and uh, well, need some advice, or maybe not advice, but just some crazy Dutch guy just listening and, uh, <laughs> and provide just the lessons I learned over the, over, uh, over the, uh, the past time. I'm happy to, uh, to listen as well. Yeah. So put your face in the mud and get out your comfort zone. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so like... Um, one thing we like to ask all of our, all of our guests on here. <clears throat> so it's, it's kind of like, this can be anything, you know, there's no right or wrong answer. This is all based on, on what you'd like to do. Um, but you know, away from your, from, I won't call it your job <laughs> because you said it's not work. It's not a, well, it is a job, but it's not work. Yeah. But exactly. away from, away from your, from your, your day to day job. Um, what market or technology are you watching and then what excites you about it? Um, that's an interesting one. So, well, what excites me is what I'm doing right now. But besides of, of that, um, I'm also really excited about like things happening in the like deep learning, machine learning, uh, AI space. To be honest, that is really out of my comfort zone. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at NVIDIA's DTC event in Munich. Uh, earlier this year, I was at NVIDIA's event in uh, San Jose, like the big event. I think like 70% or 80% of the content there is out of my comfort zone. But I find it really intriguing what is happening in that space. I think it will be a huge impact for like all of us listening in the future. Um, and I really want to understand more about, about that. So um, that's, that's one of the topics also. So that's, that's one side. On the other side, it's about security and, well, you can call it cyber security, but maybe we should just remove cyber because it's all security. I think that's a very intriguing and important topic as well, um, because that well, that's impacting our life uh, like on a daily basis. Just read the news, what is happening from a security perspective, like security breach here, ID uh, theft uh, there, data leakage here. All these type of things combined uh, will get worse because data, as you know, is a new gold. Uh, in the early days, we uh, we battled for like property and we battled for like countries, um, but maybe in the future we'll battle for data. And right now uh, they are like the, uh, like a seven, there are seven like big, big companies in the IT space, uh, like holding a lot of data uh, and Facebook and Google and Microsoft and Amazon and Alibaba uh, are examples uh, like, like that. So data and security are like, like should be connected well, well, should be well connected. So security is also, very interesting uh, area, in my in my opinion. It's important for frame, but in general, I'm just generalizing right now. Are you uh, conscious about the security piece as well? Because I know you have Facebook. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I do. You, are you doing this like with security in mind? Are you um, are you doing the social media thing differently than you did like a year or maybe five years ago? Not so much. Not so much. I try to, that's a, like more the social presence, um, more like the impact what, what social has for work-life balance. I try to trim that down uh, where I can. But social is also an important part of like my brand. I think everyone has a brand or should spend time in building the brand. And I think that's becoming more and more important because your brand is your resume. Um, and I'm, I'm conscious about like, hey, this is my brand and this is my resume. But that doesn't mean that I, I stop with like Twitter or LinkedIn and, uh, and Facebook as an example. So, and that has impact in, well, more on the privacy side than the security side, but these two are also in some degree connected. Yeah, it has impact uh, on that one. If you want to have a good read on that one, uh, read the, uh, the book called The Circle or watch the lousy movie. The movie was, uh, was not so great, but the book itself is like actually scary. It's a scary book. It's an interesting novel. So The Circle... Um, I think it was Dave Eckert, something like that. But the circle, if you search for the circle, it's like, and I think it's an, uh, an orange or a red, uh, red cover. 
it's a very interesting book about uh, a sort of Google. You can you can you can think about that. Uh, if I if you read a book like hey, this is in place, this is in place, this is in place. Same same applies a little bit for an. Uh, a series called Black Mirror on Netflix. If you see Black Mirror, Black Mirror, um, a lot of there's a lot of tech uh, and security and privacy, and you you really I really watched that series with like, this cannot happen or this won't well this is this won't happen yet. Well, maybe it's it is happening. Like flying bees taking over the uh, like the certain governments or it's it's like a crazy series. It's called uh, Black Black Mirror and. Yeah, it's it's. I think um, it was Christian Riley who made that quote. Um, like technology is like fire; it can warm you and can burn you, something like that. And yeah, that's yeah, that's the uh, that's the responsibility we, from like a very tiny perspective, but also like uh, leaders in this space and in the IT space, but also leaders like worldwide leaders, uh, uh, leaders from countries should. Uh, uh, sh- should keep in mind it can warm and then it can burn uh, yeah that's reality <laughs> I, and I, I think you might be aiming at uh, a certain leader of a country with that comment but that's all I'll say <laughs> yeah no clue what you're talking about <laughs> with your brand and social media presence um, but yeah that was some good uh, <laughs> some good insight into your thoughts on that and with that I, I guess we'll close things down um, so we really appreciate uh you coming on and joining us today um you know thank you for giving us and our listeners um some some intro and some um insight in, into frame we'll have to uh, do some follow-up with you on this um and also to uh see if you guys want to bring your uh your community um on as well with the with, with the graphics and get you guys on maybe like a panel discussion sure later or something like that but um um anything else you have case no, no. Thank you, thank you, Ruben, for your time. I uh, I appreciate you t- uh, carving out some time. Yeah, it was at, fun. At, uh, it's no problem at all. I well, I, the webcam is on. It was really fun. I like to uh, share stories and uh, and learn from you guys and share uh, things I learned with uh, with you and others. So uh, enjoyed it very much. Thanks for the opportunity as well. No, no. Thank you again. Um, and I'd like to uh, thank our sponsors, Liquidware Labs and FS Logics, um, for helping us uh, be able to continue to do this. Um, thank you to our listeners, um, for myself and Case uh, Baggerman. Thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.